All right, we are continuing on our journey of preparing for the Lord's return. Right on. I got one person extremely excited about that, and that blesses me. I'll pay you later, too. So, so. Uh, But I'm going to, believe it or not, I'm going back to Revelation. Because we did chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 already. And I'm going to chapter 4 tonight. I have to confess, I won't get past verse 1. You know how that works. But we're going to start off by reading the whole chapter together. It's not a long chapter. In uh, Revelation, oh, I picked the wrong one. There we go. I'm going to do that scripture in a little bit. Chapter 4. And uh, turn your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 4. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. And, of course, Not to recap a whole lot, but obviously of the first three chapters, we had those letters, the letters to the seven churches, and we talked about all of that, okay? And so the very first words here, uh, first three words in chapter four are a reference to what just previously happened. So in verse one, it says in chapter four of the book of Revelation, after these things I looked, and behold, here it is, Jonathan, a door standing open in heaven. Now, I'm going to go ahead and read the rest of it just because I want to uh, and probably need to, but the Holy Spirit stopped me right there. So, uh, behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone, and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne there were twenty-four thrones, and upon the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their head. Or on their heads. Actually, when I was reading this, uh, you know, although the first thing about open up the heavens captured me as I read on, I went, oh man, maybe we need to talk about worship tonight because here's where it gets really cool. In verse 5, out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the thrones, which are the seven spirits of God. And all of these things that we're hearing here, they, they have meaning. They are types and shadows of certain things. And so we we may go through some of that. <clears throat> and before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass, which often refers to large numbers of people. Uh, like crystal in the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in the front and behind. I believe that often refers to angels. The first creature was like a lion, the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. Again, it's all veiled type and shadow stuff. Up until now, we really haven't seen very much veiled type and shadow stuff until we get to chapter 4. And the four living creatures, here we go, I love this, and the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Can I help you with something? That ain't a 30-minute worship set. It says, day and night they do not cease to say, 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and uh, to him who lives forever, check this out, when they begin worship, here's what the 24 elders do. They fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever. Remember, they were wearing their crowns. It says, now they cast their crowns before the throne. Man, this is some heavy-duty lessons in here about worship. And they were saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will they exist and were created. Man, there was one heavy-duty worship session going on in heaven right there. And although there's much to teach here, I want to go back to the very thing that captured me in the very beginning As I began reading and studying chapter 4, I was intensely drawn to the concept of doors. And I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. When I hear those kind of obscure statements, I go, oh, there's some serious meaning right there. What What did John see? A door standing open. Why was it standing open? What was it open to? Where did, you know, there's just a multiplicity of questions that you could ask about that. And so I was kind of, I was really drawn to that particular concept. <clears throat> For years, Diane and I, anytime we've had to make any major decisions in life, we've banked on a passage of scripture from Revelation chapter 3 verse 8 where it says, behold, I have opened a door for you that no man can shut. See, we want to, it's very important to wait for God to see the open door. And, and, and sometimes there's more than one, so there becomes some discernment that's necessary to know what, you know, which, which door do I pick kind of thing. Um, and so I was really drawn to that subject. I didn't get far into this study at all past this very thing in verse 1 where it said, after these things, I looked, John said, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. Now, uh, I don't know if y'all can grasp any of the profundity of that, but it is very powerful. Often an open door presents an opportunity, if you think about it. Uh, An open door presents some intrigue. What's on the other side? What are the possibilities? And the intrigue could almost be like a mystery because is it good? Is it bad? What am I going to, you know, what am I going to encounter? What am I going to observe when I see the other side? And John says, I saw an open door. Uh, That to me had to be a very intriguing moment because if I were John, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going in there. I want to see what's in there. Um, how many of y'all remember Monty Hall and Let's Make a Deal? Anybody remember Monty Hall and Let's Make a Deal? You know, there was always uh, at one point door number one, door number two, door number three. And, you know, if you picked right, uh, you got the cheers and the, and the raws and the music. And if you picked wrong, they had this sound effect. It was zonk or some kind of, you know, sound like that. Because in this very setting, what's behind the door that's presented to us in life could be good could be bad. Um, Doors can be a multiplicity of different things. They can be an entrance, or they can be a way out. They can be an exit. They can be a threshold or a bridge to to something better, bigger, 
brighter. Or if you think about it, if it's closed, it could be a barrier or a hindrance to what may lay on the other side. So there's lots of different thoughts about doors. Doors can also, uh, in an emotional way, they can represent acceptance or rejection. You have an open door or someone slams the door in your face, you know what I'm saying? So tonight I want to bring four points to you uh, from my study this afternoon on this phrase. After these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. Number one uh, is that every door we'll ever face in life presents to us a choice. In other words, there's an opportunity for a decision. Uh, And I don't know about you, but I've made a a number of wrong decisions in life as it related to which doors I was going to go through. Can I get a witness from somebody? Yeah. Um, We're all presented with that, that choice. We're all presented with that decision. And as a last days believer, which is what you all are and what we are as a church, we're a last days church. That's why I do not see me getting off the path of preparing the people for the Lord's return. I believe we are in the last days. Although much of the last days prophecy and information has a negative, if not a negative undertone, a lot of negative overtures, okay? But we have to recognize that it's not all negative because I believe that the Lord's church will see its finest days in these last days. Will we go through some stuff? Absolutely, we're going to go through some stuff. But I believe that as things get tougher and tougher and tougher, and oh, by the way, they will. We're on the cusp right now of a a brand new recession that's going to hit society. You've seen it happen with the lumber prices. Now the gas prices have been hacked, and you know what happened there. And I can't remember which company paid $1.5 million or $5 million ransom to get the hackers to turn it back on. Now the beef industry just got hacked. And so we're going to see prices that are just going to go through the roof, go through the roof, go through. So listen, I'm not a negative player in this, but as things get worse and worse and worse, and please do not be fooled, they are going to. It's still going to be the greatest day for the Lord's church because there's going to be some faithful, prepared people for the days that are ahead that are not going to be shaken by the disturbances around us. And others are going to run to Christ. How, much, how many times in your lifetime have you wished that you could see multiple people saved by simply testifying to them on the corner of a street, right? Now they'd want to crucify you. But there's going to come a day when they're going to want to hear what you have to say, what I have to say, what we have to say, because times are going to get so rough they're not going to know where to turn. And it's going to be churches of truth like ours. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm touting our church. I'm proud of our church. We don't, we don't water down the word. We don't water down the experience. We are a Holy Ghost church in these last days. We're not going to hide that fact. We're ashamed of nothing. We know what tenets of faith that we stand on, and we don't water any of it to become culturally correct, all right? And that's going to come to attack the church at some day, but there's going to be tough people who somehow are going to still be stalwart and strong and planted like the trees by the rivers of water and are not going to be swayed or moved by this stuff, and guess what? People are going to say, I need that truth. And so I believe that with all my heart. This isn't just about making you tough enough to make it through difficult times. It's about making you tough enough, yes, to make it through difficult times, but to do so with joy, with peace, and with celebrated victory. 
when everybody else is not experiencing it, okay? So you just hang tight and keep this in mind as well. Few there be that enter in, all right? And what does it say about the wide is the gate that leads to destruction and many there are that enter in and narrow is the gate that leads to everlasting life and few there be that enter in. Uh, this is a religion of few, right? And so what's it going to take? It's going to take a few stalwart disciples who know the truth, stand by the truth, and are willing to give their lives for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. It took 12 in the days of the apostles to expand that message. And they were under such persecution at that time that it, amazingly, think about this, they were under such persecution. Come on, are y'all serious? Burned on the streets as torches to provide light, and yet the church grew and multiplied every single day. They couldn't, the more they fought against it, the more it grew. I think we'll see that happen again. So we have to be strong. And, in, and as last day's believers... As I said a moment ago, you and I are going to need the gift of discernment to be able to know which door we're, or doors that we're supposed to pick in life. We're going to have to have our, discerner, our discerners dialed in. You, did you know you have a discerner? Okay, it's a spiritual, uh, spiritual body part that some Christians don't have at all. They have it, but they've never used it or they've never been taught how to use it. But you and I, as the last day's believers, that's what I'm talking about, need to have our spiritual discerners calibrated and dialed in. I'm going to read a few scriptures for you that have a negative, not just an undertone, but they have a negative point of view about some things, and it's going to say this is why we need to have our discerners dialed in. <clears throat> First Timothy Excuse me, chapter 4, verse 1. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith and give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Some will depart from the faith. That's not talking about unsaved, ungodly, worldly, unbelievers. It's talking about church folks. Okay? Now, and this, I'm not harping on this because there's a small handful of us here tonight. I promise you this. Diane can attest to this fact. I've never been a person who had a numerical vision for the church. I need to have this, this many people sitting in the seats. In fact, I've always said, and I thought my pendulum maybe swung too far in that, just give me 20 or 30 people red hot for Jesus Christ and we'll turn this world upside down. You know what? That's how I felt in the beginning of my ministry. And it may be that that's what's going to be, what it's going to take even in these last days. A, a small handful that are willing to give their lives for the sake of the call and for the name of Jesus Christ. That, that, it offers a, another choice, doesn't it? Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workers. Check this out. 
disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. You, want, you think you need your discerner dialed in? For even those that we're watching on TV and listening to who look like very much like servants of righteousness but are in many ways sub, uh, uh, subversively and, 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 and in a very secretive way twisting the truth enough to actually present to you another possible gospel. But people are swallowing it hook, line, and sinker because they are disguised, they are... Don't be surprised when these servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. You and I got to have our discerners really dialed in, really dialed in. And of course, this is probably another one of those sayings where you're, where you're settings where you're going, well, why don't you tell us who it is? No, I learned from my pastor, you don't call names because it's not about libeling or labeling or putting down another individual. It's about... It's about um, um, exposing the spirit behind it, okay? And if you hear anything on any of these famous people that are that's like, what, does the Bible say that? You better be careful. You better, enough said probably there, we got to have our discerners working very well. Now, listen, even more so... In these last days, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, this man, talking about the Antichrist, will come to do the work of Satan and will counterfeit power and signs and miracles. Guess what many of the church, much of the church is looking for today? Power and signs and miracles. People are chasing after it to such a degree that they miss the, the foundational stuff that keeps them strong and intact and planted because they're just chasing after signs. We, we desire and we'd love to see signs and wonders, but nothing, in fact, it, it's against the Bible to chase after them because the Bible says they're supposed to follow us. Right? And here this, Satan is going to come and counterfeit What's that mean, counterfeit? It's going to look like Christ. It's going to look like the power of God. It's going to look like the signs and the wonders of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. It goes on to say, and he will use every kind of evil deception. I'm not skeptical, I promise you. The average Christian is not ready for this. I believe you guys are going to be more prepared for it. Guys and gals, didn't mean to... No, there are no uh, gender-neutral pronouns in this house, okay? I'm not going to say it or whatever. But anyway. He's going to use every kind of evil deception there is. I watch the TV now, and um, the things I see as it relates to uh, same-sex marriage and, and, and some of the other things that are going on in the commercials, they've now made it to be as every day as a cow provides milk, you know, the milk commercial. I mean, you look at it, and, and now we're no longer shocked by it. That's what he does. He comes a little, and he, he, he desensitizes even, the good, even good Christians like you and me to find some of that somehow acceptable. 
and we know the truth, it's not, it's not acceptable. Matthew chapter 24, verses 24 through 25. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform, are you ready? Great signs and wonders. So that, so as to do what? So as to deceive. If possible, even God's chosen ones. And Jesus goes, see, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So doors, number one, doors are going to offer you a choice, a decision. There's going to be some doors of Christianity. Well, I use that word very loosely. Uh, There's going to be some doors of the spirit realm that are going to come along that you're going to have to make a choice. There will be some doors of some um, high-profile religious leaders that have already come along and are subverting the gospel of Jesus Christ. They preach a great message, and they are charismatic, and they, I even like listening to them because they, they fire me up till I hear the stuff that's hidden between the lines. Okay? Listen, Satan's not going to come at you and I with a sign and a T-shirt goes, I am the liar, follow me. No. He's, the Bible, we just read it, he's going to come to us as an angel of light, displaying signs and wonders and powers. And even his ministers, his angels, his people who work for him will also be disguised as angels of light and ministers of the gospel when, in fact, they aren't. We have to be cautious and have our eyes wide open and have our discerners dialed in and tuned up. I think we can all agree on that, right? Can you say amen? Now, the word discern comes from a Greek word. It's either pronounced uh, diakrisis or diakrisis. Doesn't matter. It's D-I-A-K-R-I-S-I-S. That doesn't matter either, I guess. But. And it describes being able to distinguish and clearly recognize, are you ready? Between the influence of God and the influence of Satan and the influence of self. That one should sink in for a minute. This word diacrisis, discern, means to be aware of what's God and what's not. To be able to be aware of the dangers, to be aware of the seductions, and to be aware of the deceptions of Satan. I have said this for over almost 18 months now. The day of easy Christianity is over. It's over. Just a part of me tonight even says, you know, would I love to see the house full? Sure. But you know what I'd rather have? Give me 30 people that are white hot for Jesus and will turn the world upside down. So every door presents a choice. Every door presents a decision. And the choices that you and I make either to walk by them or walk through them can literally change the destiny of our lives. One door, one right door can change your life forever. One wrong door can change your life forever. And I think that each of you should pray daily, Lord, please give me the gift of discernment. The Bible says that the gifts of the Spirit are given as the Holy Spirit wills. I believe that the Holy Spirit is always willing. Okay?
I don't believe the Holy Spirit ever sits by and goes, nope, nope, Deanna doesn't qualify. She doesn't get discernment. That's not, that's not, that's the other spirit. No, Matt, you can't have it. You're not old enough yet. I believe with all my heart that God is so loving and so gracious that he would wish and that every one of his children have the gift of discernment, especially in these last days. So I'm going to ask you every day in your prayers, Lord, please give me the spirit of discernment today so I can know what is true and what is not. The second thing is it, if an open door is truly from God, it will never contradict the word. It will never go against the plan or the word of God. God never, ever, never, ever goes against his word. He is not contrary to his word at all. If a door presents to you an opportunity um, for something that looks amazing, but somehow, even in the smallest, minute way, it, it seems contrary to God's will, plan, or word for your life, can I say something really loud? It's not the door from God. Period. No matter how exciting a door looks, it'll be a disaster if it's not God's will. I remember, uh, just to tell a little personal story, um, and I've probably told this story before, but until I get new ones, you just get to hear the same ones over and over again. I worked at a furniture factory in Zeeland, Michigan, name of the factory was a Lippert Furniture, and I did very well there, and I, it, it is a big part of the love for woodworking that I even have today, and I loved this job. A decent wage for the 90s, I don't know, I think I might have made around 12 bucks an hour or something, and had benefits and everything, and we knew we had a call of God on our life. This Diane and I knew, and this was pre-coming here in 95. This was before we even came here for the very first time. Um, and so we knew we had a calling on our life, and we were attending the Grand Haven Resurrection Life Church at that time. And uh, we were a part of life group ministry, which took place, I think, I don't remember what night of the week, Tuesday or something. And then we had a midweek service. And and Thursday we had music practice, and then Sunday morning was church, and Sunday night with youth was youth ministry, and you know God had me and Diane involved in just about all of those things, and of course all those things were evening things, right? I had a great job, it was a day job, and I really did love the job, and uh, I excelled so much at the job that I had that uh, Howard Miller started um, courting me to come work at their worldwide. They're a worldwide company, but they're, they're located right there in the Holland, Zealand area. And they came courting me, trying to get to woo me to come work for them. And they offered me some serious money. They offered me benefits far beyond what I knew I'd ever get. I think their starting rate they wanted to offer me at was, was actually the cap of what I could get at Lippard. They offered me college funds for my kids. They offered me annual benefit perks and trips and all kinds of different things. And the only deal was it was second shift. And, but it was, it was like anyone's dream future. It was a future for my kids, college, everything right there in my hands. And it was woodworking, so I was still in the woodworking business, but it was evening shift. 
And I went to Pastor Bernie and asked him about that, and, and he just said something to me that stuck with me ever since, and I've used it over and over again. He said, Rick, I can't tell you what to do, but if you know you're called, any step you make in your life needs to be one step closer to what you know the God's calling is on your life. Well, I knew the answer. I couldn't take the job. I had to, of course, Lippert, I didn't think Lippert knew that I was being courted. They probably did because they came to me very shortly after there, after that and offered me a, just a, a load of money, a whole big raise and everything and got a foreman's position there. And it was awesome and praise God and God protected me in that as well, which we'll refer to one of the other doors in a minute. Uh, we came here <coughs> in 95. I'd stayed at that job probably for another maybe a year because we were going to go on staff at the Grand Haven Church. It was all set. Everything was ready to go. And we came, we came here, and, and it has nothing to do with how great I may or may not have been, but six months after we came here, Lippert went bankrupt and the company closed. Now, that's God shutting doors and opening doors. But you've got to have your discerner turned on. There's another lesson in what I just told you. Not only should you have your discerner turned on, you better have a spiritual voice in your life that you can trust. That's another important one as well. So if you have a calling, and I think everyone does to some degree, if you have a heavenly assignment on your life, and you know it, and you know it, not just I wish I had one, or someday I'd like to do that, but I mean, you re Diane and I knew we were destined for ministry. Then you have to make sure that every decision you make is one step closer to that God design on your life. You must do that. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And here it is. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind here, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, that's a great rendition, but listen to this rendition from the Passion Translation. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous miracles, our mercies, excuse me, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, <clears throat> to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all the, that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Check it out. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Give the Lord a praise. That's pretty powerful. So, uh, you know, an open door offers a, a decision, a choice. Uh, if an open door comes, no matter how fantastic it looks, and it's, contr it's contradictory to what you know is God's plan for your life or his word, I have no clue how our lives, well, I wouldn't be standing before you today had I made that decision. We wouldn't have been in the ministry for 25 years as we are now. And, and we live in a blessed life after all these years, far beyond what I believe we would have ever ex, you know, exceeded had I taken that job. Because you take the wrong door, it can lead to disaster. 
Are you hearing me? Number three, sometimes God shuts doors for our own protection. Too often we see shut doors as hindrances, or we immediately call the shut door, the devil's trying to steal my joy. We give the enemy credit for shut doors, and I know that the enemy does try to steal our joy, but if you're, listen, I've always felt this way. As a son of God, I'm not a perfect son of God, but I, I strive to be, I strive somehow to carry the character of David. Let, may God say of me that my son has a heart after me. He ain't perfect, and he screws up, and he makes messes, but Rick has a heart after me. If that's you as a son and daughter of God, you can always expect Father God to be watching out for you and tell you whether or not it's the enemy or whether or not, or whether or not it's him. But we still have to have our discerners turned on for this. You see, maybe the, thing, maybe the shut door is actually a barrier of protection. And I reckon it would be difficult, if not impossible, for all of us to calculate the number of times that God protected us from something. Whether it was I needed to pull off the side of the road because I dropped a french fry, only to find out that there was a terrible accident just around the corner. I know I made that up, but maybe one of you are going, oh my God, that happened to me! <laughs> so maybe God's trying to keep us out of trouble. We can see a door that we really want to open and never think about the fact that maybe God shut the door. We often press forward, push forward, bull our way forward without ever stopping to consider, maybe God shut this door on purpose. Maybe I'm not supposed to go through. I know everything I'm saying, it kind of like, duh, duh. Maybe I'm not supposed to go through this door even though I want to go through this door and it sure seems like it's the right door. See how critical it is, is that we have our discerners turned on? <coughs> Excuse me, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these things says he was holy, he was true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. See, he doesn't just open doors, he shuts doors as well. And if you're facing... Let me just say this squarely to you. If you're facing a shut door, stop trying to kick it down. Stop trying to kick it open. Stop trying to make that shut door open, okay? If it's God's will, he will open it in his time for you to have that open door. But until then, it is a shut door. Be satisfied with that and move on to the next thing that God has for you. If it's in his will, he will open the door, okay? Obviously, the concept of doors can be looked at from many vantage points, as I just did for three. I'm going to come to the last one, and the last one is the one that intrigues me the most and exactly why I asked Jonathan to bring this song to tonight. And it teaches us one of the great truths in life. Revelation chapter 4.1, I looked and behold, a door standing open. Can I help you? Standing open is not a jar, just a little bit. A door that's a jar makes you want to do only one thing, peek in. What? Kick it. Okay, David wants to kick it. I'm a more cautious individual, and I just want to carefully peek in, right? Diane would kick it too, don't feel bad, so. 
I'm the guy that says, no, I might get poked in the eye if I just peek in, but I'm not going to kick it in. Um, I believe that this doorway that's standing open is a doorway to Revelation as it relates to the context of the book of Revelation. It's a doorway of Revelation of Christ. It's a doorway to his glory. Um, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, Mark 1.10, and Luke 3.21 speak of heaven opening up. And the one that kind of gives the most information about that is found in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. And I'll read verses 16 and 17. This is at the baptism of Jesus. When he had baptized, when Jesus had been baptized, he came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. Now, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I believe that the same things that happened to Jesus can, can happen in one way or another to us. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. If I pray for, Lord, let there be an open door of heaven over this service tonight or over our church or over my own life or over my grandkids, may the focal point of that open door of heaven be for a revelation of Christ and a revelation of the glory of Christ because that's the most important thing. That's the most important thing. Um, another one of the open heaven passages that are pretty profound is found in Acts chapter uh, 7, and it's actually at the, uh, it's at the uh, murder of um, Stephen. Um, as you all know, he was stoned. And while he was, just before he died, he, he had a vision. And it's found in verse 55 and 56 of chapter 7. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I could preach right there. Gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Too many people don't have a revelation of what Jesus Christ really means to them, what he really means to mankind, what he really means to society. Too many people are looking for the glory just to have some knockdown, drag out Holy Ghost service. Um, and I, even I don't know exactly what it would mean or what it would look like to have the heavens opened up and see what Stephen saw that day. Isaiah had a similar experience, and when it happened to him, he said, Woe is me, a man of unclean lips. So again, that means that it exposed his sin. He said, For I'm a man undone. Um, that was the best way he could describe his occurrence. And so there is an opening in the heavens for revelation. Uh, there's an opening in the heavens for to see the glory of Christ. Uh, Jesus actually promised it to Nathaniel in John 15, 1. It says, And Jesus said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, unless you know, uh, uh, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but there's another story in the Old Testament about angels descending a ladder up and down, ascending and descending a ladder. Anybody remember what that story was? Uh, Jacob's ladder. Now, here that the sh Jesus just shared with us that he is Jacob's ladder. He is that ladder between heaven. Because he said, the angels of God ascending and descending upon 
the Son of Man. See, that open heaven did what? It was a revelation of the glory of who Christ is. We all need that. I need that. We all get a little idle in our ways, so to speak, sometimes because we get comfortable with you know, the routine, even the routine of Christianity, even the routine of church. Even though we're not a routine church, we have a routine. And we can get so in the routine that we lose the, the sparkle. We lose the anticipation, the marvel of Jonathan coming into God's presence. We lose sight of what it's really all about. And that's what I would hope that could happen for our church, is that we could be a church that is not a religion, that is a Christianity without religion, serving a God without religion, so that we can truly experience what God has for us as people who are so religiousized that we don't know how to have church, really, without religion. But we're learning together. Right on? We're learning together. Amen. And why? Because I want to I wanna have that childlike wonder in my life all the time. I don't want to get so callous and growing, you know, you get stuck in your ways that you miss that wonder. Imagine what it would be like for, well, what it's like for the child who sees a snow, snowfall for the very first time. Think of that. Or a person who's never heard a noise to hear for the very first time. That wonder, that excitement, that marvel. When's the last time any of us had that same wonder and marvel and amazement doing a song service here at our church? That's not a cut. It's helping us look at ourselves a little deeper. Um, Now someday, and this is my my final thoughts, someday the heavens are going to open again. And the heavens will open and, they, and it will reveal the glory of Christ and all the world will see it when it happens. This will happen at the very the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 19. We'll read a couple of passages of Scripture and then we'll close. I've had just a great time talking with you all this evening. Thank you for putting up with me. I know it's a hard task. Uh, Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. Notice the first five words. And I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in, the righteous, and in righteousness he judges and wishes war. Again, what was the first thing John saw when he saw the heavens opened up? The revelation of Christ in his might and glory and splendor. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he had his name written on him, which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. See, see don't tell me that an open door to heaven is not a revelation of the grandeur of God. 
And we should be able to experience that to some degree even prior to his coming. Because others have in Bible history. Okay, turn with me now to the last scripture, Matthew 24. Verses 29 through 31, and then we'll uh, pray and go home for the night. Verse 29 of chapter 24 of the book of Matthew. Again, I am still, as you can see, on the road to preparing people for the Lord's return. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man <coughs> excuse me, coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory, and he will send, his, send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other." What's going to happen at that moment, the reason it says that all men will mourn, because all men will see this rolling back of the sky like a scroll to see the coming glorious return of Christ. And the reason it, it says that all men will mourn, all the tribes of the earth will mourn, no one's left out of that, because at that moment, they're going to recognize and realize the revelation of who Christ really is. And they will mourn the fact that they never knew it before, that they never accepted it before, that they mocked it before, that they killed him before. All the earth will know that Jesus Christ is real and that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's not wait until the sky is rolled back and the final trumpet happens. Look, next time we sing that song, open up the heavens, show us your glory. Is that what it says? Something like that. Then maybe it ought to be more than a lyric line with a neat, with a neat melody. So in summary, every door represents a decision. We've all had, we've all been there. Um, an open door from God will never go against his word. It'll never go contrary to what you know the will of God is for your life. Um, please know that God does shut doors and he shuts them for our own protection so quit trying to kick down doors just because you want what's on the other side. And then finally four, heaven is opened not so we can experience a Holy Ghost crazy party. Heaven is opened not so we can have crazy praise and Holy Ghost revival. It's opened so that Christ and his glory and his splendor can be revealed to us. And so I'm going to be praying something in my prayers now more regularly. Father, give me the spirit of discernment, please. Help me to have my, by the great Holy Spirit, because Rick Lopez can't dial in his discerner. Rick Lopez will still be kicking down the wrong door if that happens. I need the great Holy Spirit to dial in my discerner. Right on? And, and, and I'm going to be asking God 
Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show us your glory. That's what we sang together. Show us. And to say, we, that's not about a cloud and a mist falling and gold dust falling in the church service and everybody falls out. I mean, that would all be spectacular, but if it's not a revelation of the grandeur of Jesus, then it's just worthless Pentecostal hype. Amen? All right, uh, enough said. I got on my notes here, pray and dismiss. So that's what I'm going to do. Got a small crowd tonight. Anybody got a question or anything? Good, praise God. See, I don't wait too long. So I wait too long, somebody will come up with one. Uh, what was you trying to, you gave me, a, is that just a fist bump or? Jim was back there giving me some kind of hand signal. Fortunately, I got a smudge on my glasses, so I can't tell what it really was. <laughs> Father, we come to you tonight, both here in this house and also through media, through YouTube, Facebook, through our live stream. We ask you, Lord, to help us have our discerners finely tuned by your great Holy Spirit. And Lord, we know that happens by keeping our nose in the book, keeping our knees bent to heaven, and keeping our bodies in the house of God. Help us, Lord, to look and pray for the opened heaven, not so we can just have a Holy Ghost experience, but so we can be reminded of our first love, the glory of Jesus Christ, and what it truly means to us. And Help us, forgive us for the times, Lord, that we've kind of fallen into the doldrums of it all and we've gotten uh, complacent, maybe lazy. Uh, but Lord, just help, to, help us to be fired up by your spirit um, just to expose Jesus Christ to somebody else and to share our testimony with somebody else, not so that we can shine but so that we can make Jesus famous in the lives and the hearts of people. Help us in that journey together. Help us to enter our next song service, Lord, with um, a greater expectation, a greater anticipation to once again be marveled and amazed and have childlike wonder. Help us to have that, Lord. Because you told us if we don't come to you like a little child, we have no part. We won't experience the kingdom of heaven. We give you praise tonight. I speak blessings over each person. Those, Lord God, that uh, are, are through the uh, finishing phases of sickness, Lord, we lift them up before you, Lord God, that they, their lungs would completely clear up. They'd be able to get back in the house of God. We ask for your blessings upon them in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. For the open doors, and I will, with all my heart, say thank you now for the shut doors. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. God bless you. Praise God.